Welcome to the Obey Podcast, where we see through mainstream narrative. No propaganda, no bullshit, just the truth. And now, here's your host, Matthew Keck. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Obey Podcast. So I just wanted to do some housekeeping because it's been a while since I've popped up in your podcast feed. And I just want to say that now that we passed the presidential election, uh, at least to some extent, and that's going to be a lot of what we talk about today, um, a lot more content is going to be released. I'm really motivated to, as, as I see it now, it looks like Joe Biden's going to be the next president. And there's a lot I want to talk about on that front. And it seems like a lot of news is going to be substantive going forward. Part of the reason why I started my content blitz um, some months ago, but then dropped off the face of the earth, is because going into the election, almost all of the news was about optics. Very little of it was about substance or policy. We were essentially in a lame duck mode where nobody really wanted to pass anything, and the news was only about stalemates and things that made people look good or bad. There was almost no implications to any of the news that you could say uh, takeaway effects um, from what they were discussing and see how it could impact your life. So there's kind of no reason to pay attention for a couple months there. But now things are starting to raise bigger issues, and I think they're worth discussing. And as we move into a different um, political paradigm and not immediately before an election, there's going to be a lot to talk about. But so expect more content from me. And as we approach what would um, presumably be Joe Biden's inauguration, I do plan on doing some specifically researched um, content designed to talk about Joe Biden's economics. So that that's something to also keep your eye out for. But I should be back in your feed regularly to talk about things that are jumping out in the news that do have some substance. And if you listen back to the first few episodes of this podcast, it was a basic breakdown of the kinds of stories that have been in the news a lot over the last few years and how they can pretty much be ignored and dismissed as noise. Um, and that, that's kind of why there hasn't been a lot of content in the last two months. Um, beyond the other podcast I'm on, which is Beyond Talking Points, I haven't haven't been producing a lot of content. But but let's jump into today's episode, and I'm gonna I want to talk about the election between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and I want to talk about democracy in general. And there's a couple points I specifically want to talk about. So the things that I really want to focus on are the the abstract philosophical way of thinking about election fraud. Now, that, that can sound absolutely ridiculous, because election fraud is something that should seem very tangible. It should seem obvious, like we think of ballots being switched, or ballots for dead people being submitted by somebody else, and then just not being reviewed properly. But I was thinking about this a lot, because when you listen to somebody like Ben Shapiro, or really any member of the left, or any any person on the right that isn't necessarily uh, amenable towards Trump, you'll hear a lot of them hesitant to back Trump's claims, and you hear them asking for evidence. And I'm not, I'm not against asking people who make specific claims for evidence. I, th- I think you should. The, 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 the issue I see with their reasoning is they start from this default point that the baseline is that the election was inherently fair. And I don't think that is a reasonable baseline to start from. So I, I, I'm almost an election agnostic. 
the way I think about it. I, I don't think you should really be swayed towards an election being fair or unfair. And, and to some extent, I don't think this sh should be a verifiable claim either way, because election fraud, if it was practiced well, would probably go undiagnosed. And the, the example I gave when I was discussing this with a friend is I, I, I referenced the 2004 election and what allegedly happened in Ohio, um, where many people speculate that George W. Bush uh, essentially stole Ohio um, using the technology of essentially they took the votes from voting machines passed them through a server before those vote totals became official, and that vote server was contracted by somebody who um, potentially was coordinating with people from the Bush administration. And the person who um, ran that website that all the votes went through later uh, died mysteriously in a sort of, um, I think, a plane accident. So it, it was a very suspicious event, and, and I know Jesse Ventura details this in one of his books, and it's something that a lot of people will cite, but it's not something that is known in the mainstream at all. If you talk to an NPR listening liberal, or you just talk to normal people who watch Fox News, or, or normal people who are relatively apolitical, because most people, even voters, don't really pay much attention about politics, if you say George Bush stole an election, they assume you're talking about Florida, and they probably have never even heard the contentions about 2004 against John Kerry. So I, I, I guess I bring this up to state if if there was questionable voter fraud that could have happened, and there may be good evidence for, but it's not completely proven, it might not break into mainstream narratives that people are aware of. So for all intents, for all intents and purposes, most people assume the 2004 presidential election was completely fair, while a large amount of people, but in the grand scheme of the United States population, it's almost a negligible amount, will tell you... Um, that it, Ohio could have been completely stolen. So I, I, I guess this makes me think, why don't we, it's not even assume that fraud happens. It's why should we assume things happen fairly? Um, so I, I'm not one to typically ascribe uh, skills and talents to people who work in government. But a lot of the people who work at these polls are what, what is essentially either low-level government officials or activists. And we live in the United States that has an electoral college, which is highly decentralized. And that has its goods, it has its positives and its negatives when it comes to voting security. But it means that if you targeted certain swing states and certain jurisdictions, it might not take a lot to pull off a grand heist. And if the people who do try to pull off that grand heist are very savvy when it comes to their, the, the, the ways that they decide to target maybe voting machines... Um, it might not be obvious how things happened, and it might require a very minimal amount of people to pull it off. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the idea that voter fraud could happen on a grand scale does not seem remotely implausible. And if it did happen, there isn't, for, from what I'm perceiving, there's not good reason to assume that people would get caught or that it would make its way into the grand narrative. So why, why are we sitting here acting like of course, the election was not rigged or nothing happened unless you can prove it. It's it's going to be really tough to prove if five people went into one or two or three uh, polling locations in Georgia, did something with the voting machines that made a different tally come out, and then so 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 so, so then the way that somebody who's um you know uh, a center right 
person who I don't, I don't know maybe, maybe maybe works at the bulwark or the daily wire or something they, they they could counter back to me and say okay but but they've audited the georgia election results well i don't think many people know what auditing those election results mean does it actually mean we're looking at every single vote and how, how what does it mean when we're looking at every single vote are we looking at an output of a vote and does the voter, after they actually punch it into the machine, verify that the output matches what they put in? Or are we counting things that might have been changed by the machine that the voter never verified? So it's like the things that we're going back to count and audits could be fake. So then we're just recounting fake data. So I, I guess what I'm saying is there's not a lot of transparency out there about what things are proving and what different procedures are proving when it comes to voter security. Um, we, we don't understand how hackers, if they hypothetically were going to pull off a heist, would actually do it. And we, we don't know if the procedures that people are doing to audit votes are actually counteracting the ways things would get um, compromised. So instead, all we get in the news is we get these somewhat ridiculous claims that come from the far right that essentially say something is fishy. And you know that I don't think that's the most unreasonable thing to say. I mean, it is a unique election where a lot of vote was done by mail and that's never been done before. So things can certainly look very fishy. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that way of looking at things. And then when we listen to the people who are at the Wall Street Journal or the Bulwark, what, what, what they essentially will cite is we'll hear an election official in Georgia who worked at, on the polls said that it was a fair election. Well, I don't know what his word means to me because a lot of the people who work in these um, positions are either like very political people, they're activists, or they're sworn moderates but, that, but that, that's their outward appearance. So, so I guess what I'm saying is, I, I'm tr if I assume that those people's words are valid, I have to put my faith in people that don't really have long public records, um, are generally not super well-known or famous, nobody would recognize their name in a, in a household. No, no, people don't know random district attorney or elect, uh, election officials' names when it comes to a random jurisdiction in a swing state. So it's not like these people's word really means anything to me if they actually weren't on a scheme. So I, I guess what I'm saying here isn't a conspiratorial mindset. I'm more preaching some level of a high level of skepticism. I, I'm saying the, the, the fact is we have a very shaky system. We live in a country that is highly polarized, and we allow people who are politically motivated to work in elections. Like, it's not like people who are absolutely nonpartisans are going to be the per people working at every poll. So we, we set up this, this situation that is like a powder keg that is just waiting to go off. Um, and we assume that if there was fraud, we'd catch it. And I, I'm saying I don't, I don't have blind faith in that. So even if I don't believe Rudy Giuliani's claims, I shouldn't be out here assuming that Joe Biden won fairly. So I'm not going to believe that. I, I'm going to... I'm not going to trust the government officials that have done things historically wrong for hundreds of years, and people who want power and seek power have have, have a nefarious track record. So I'm not going to put blind faith that, that they didn't do anything nefarious in this situation. And then when it comes to activists, it's like we don't see activists lie and do far worse things than switching, uh, you know, put, to, to, to bringing in like a, a pallet of fake ballots. Like, it's, it's not like they even have to punch anybody in the face to cheat. So it's, it's something that they, 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 they could coordinate with a handful of people with the right strategy. And, and maybe, maybe they do something small to a voting machine with, with somebody tech savvy. I, I really don't know. 
So I, I would take this position of he, here's why there is risks of election security. I'm not confident that we would catch it because you have to trust audits and procedures that people don't necessarily understand and who is doing those audits while well, a lot of them are elected officials and do we trust these elected officials that have partisan interests in things. So it's like, I don't. I, I, I frankly don't. Now, I feel like this would trigger a lot of people who have like a Sam Harris mindset, right? So if you think about those new atheists, they, um, and, and this isn't to be, to talk about religious religion or anything, but, but it's this mindset of, um, it, it's this hyper-scientific mindset of, I'm making a statement and it is not falsifiable. I, I'm essentially saying, here are things on the ground that, that, that make this situation unreadable. And you can't really say the election's rigged or not rigged because you can't really prove it because we have a knowledge problem. And this is an issue. This is an issue because it means it's hard to trust any election and it's hard to prove that an election is trustworthy. Now, I don't, but the, here's the thing. I don't think that makes my position incorrect. So all, all that could be true. It's not a falsifiable position, but the the ground that I'm arguing from, which is based on the vested interests of political people and activists, is valid. So even if it's an unfalsifiable premise that has scary consequences about not trusting elections, well, um, you, you can't do a lot about it. You just have to accept it because the ground-level facts that support the argument are valid. So I, I, I guess that's what I would say to them. Um, and I can imagine people like that listening to this, and I, I've, I'd have a few friends who have that mindset, um, and, and it's unfortunate. Now, I would say that this is a general cut against democracy as a whole. Um, so, I and, and, and it is clear in a lot of other facets of democracy that people who want to get elected are willing to lie and be misleading to the American people, and they run on certain promises, but they only fulfill some of them. And then they go out of their way to do tons of things that go unseen that only, um, you know, pro they, they, they only benefit people that fund them or they benefit people they know. And it's all about really profiting themselves and they just throw a few bones to the, the public. So it's it's not like um, so 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 it's not like that. This is only, oh, people are nefarious when it comes to elections. It's like these people are very nefarious in all elements of democracy. And here's another example of how that factors, and, and it's concerning. Um, so this, this is just kind of a thought I had in, in general when, when I was just going to bed one night, but I've just been hearing all this news from the mainstream outlets, and the, the, the default stance is fact-check false, because you can't you don't have hard proof of that claim. But, but, but frankly, you have to have this ideological notion that the default stance is the election was free and fair. And I, I get how somebody could say, well, you can't have democracy unless you start with that default. But I, I, I just still would say that's not a good default because of the way democracy works. So that, that's my meditation on where I'm seeing things uh, as we, um, you know, as we head further into the election disputes. Um, I, I don't see I, I don't think it's likely that Trump really pulls anything out of his hat um, to, to overturn anything. But I, I do think more evidence is going to come out that looks shoddy here and there. And people are always going to be skeptical of if anything fishy happened in 2020. And I don't blame them. And even if they don't have hard proof, I don't think you should discount it because all the incentives are there. And this is something that Scott Adams talked about. If Trump was supposed to be literal Hitler, then why wouldn't the Democrats cheat to beat him? And it's like, sure, that isn't proof, obviously. Obviously, that isn't proof that inherently happened. 
but it's a good reason to think just because we can't find evidence doesn't mean it didn't happen because plenty of things go under the radar. Um, so I hope you guys appreciate that insight. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to sign off on that issue for now, but I just needed to get that out of my head. Please, please keep an eye out on your feed for, for more content coming up. I appreciate that you guys listened, th- and uh, thank you so much. So signing off, it's Matt. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcatcher or share the podcast with a friend. You can find out more information about the Obey podcast at anchor.fm slash Obey podcast or on Twitter at the Obey podcast. Until next time. Next time.